This evening we're going to be in 2 Samuel 13, and the last time as you're turning there, Nathan the prophet confronts King David with his sin, and uh, David repents, and unfortunately there will be consequences, even though this sin was forgiven. And you know that's no different in our lives as well. If we're a thief, before we come to the cross, we can be forgiven by God, go to heaven with all the promises of eternal life, but people may still be knocking at our door looking for money. You know, if there's sexual sins, we can be forgiven, be clean, not feel ashamed, uh, but unfortunately have a foreign body in us that we pass on to loved ones. So there is, you know, it's just a consequence of being on this earth in a fallen state, and even though we have all the blessings that God gives us, uh, we can have consequences to the sin that, that we led, even though we're completely forgiven in, in God's eyes. Now, what we're going to see today is actually um, in 2 Samuel 12, uh, verse 10, it speaks about the sword, these consequences, that doesn't depart from the house of King David. Again, largely because of David's example. Now, David compounds the problem with not disciplining his children. Uh, David might have felt in his heart of hearts, you know, it's funny when we receive forgiveness, uh, we don't always act in 100%. Uh, and, and we do that. God is completely good. You know, it's been paid for at the cross and we still hold ourselves to 10% or 5%. And, uh, you know, David may have thought about what he did with his adultery and murder and that might have hindered his full disciplining his children. Uh, and parents can do that. Uh, we, listen, we're, we don't always get 100% as parents, but you, you can't not discipline your kids. So we see the problems as a consequence of David's sin, but we often forget that there's a discipline aspect that if we're not careful, we may miss that. Now, Amnon was the firstborn the next in line to become king. Now we know that God's choice was Solomon, who was the tenth in line. But we don't know how soon God told David that it was going to be Solomon. It seems like he may have waited a while. So Amnon was the, le the next in line as the firstborn, and he probably felt he could do what he wants and get away with it. Now, we don't have a monarchy, although some of our elected officials, I think, act like they're a king. However, some countries still have a monarchy, and you might see it in the paper. You know, they get in trouble, they do things because they're entitled, they're royalty. So it's a, a good parallel here. Um, even in our society, politicians, kids, uh, somebody, they're powerful, their kids, they expect that when they get in trouble that they will not have the same consequences as everybody else. So you, so you see a lot of tie-ins. You know, you could say, gee, this was written a long time ago. But hey, you read this and you see a lot of tie-ins to today. So going in, verse 1, it says, Now after this, it was so that Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. You have to understand the family structure. Absalom has a full sister, Tamar. Okay, he's the third in line. And his brother, Amnon, has the same father, David, but a different mother, Ahinoam. Okay? Uh, probably if you, and I've, I've seen some of the mathematics done here, depending on who was born when, Amnon was probably the firstborn. He was probably around 22 when this event happens. Absalom, around 20. 
and Tamar probably into her mid to late teens, and Solomon was probably a toddler. So in your mind, you know, this is a situation really that's affecting teenagers and also young adults in that age group. And we'll look at that. Now it says Amnon loved her, or the word in Hebrew is Ohab, which can also mean lusted for. And sometimes, well, oftentimes when we're in sin, we can't make the differentiation between the two. Uh, the Bible tells us that Tamar and her brother Absalom were noted for their physical beauty. There was something striking about them. So Amnon is so distressed about his half-sister that he becomes sick. And this is what sin does to us. It tortures us if we let it. You know? And the worst thing to do is to isolate ourselves when we're in sin. Because then it gets the best of us. Satan is always picking off the stragglers off of the pack. You know, those are the easy targets for him. Now, he should have confessed the sin or talked to somebody to be accountable, but instead he feeds the sin. And his choice of friends, Jonadab, makes it a lot, a lot worse. Uh, it, it becomes a real big problem. It gives birth to this tremendous sin because of this dopey guy, uh, Jonadab, who's actually his father's, his father's brother's son, so it would be his cousin as well as his friend hanging out with him. Now, the way it's mentioned in the first two verses, I've got to give you all the setting, is it really, first, first person mentioned is Absalom because he's the type A character that we'll see as we go through this chapter. He's the, the go-getter. He has similar drives like his father David and his sister and Amnon, his brother, tether off of his, his focus. And we'll jump in. Verse 3. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. Now, Jonadab was a very crafty man. You know, there's trouble right off the bat with that. <laughs> and he said to him, why are you the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Jonadab was a crafty man. He comes up with a plan. And I will tell you this. There's often a friend. See, the friend, just like love, the word love in our society is a very loose term. It can mean a lot of things. So is the word friend. Would a true friend actually cause us to sin? But have we had friends? And could we find a friend very easily that could hang out with us and gossip with us and plan things that shouldn't be planned? Or maybe if the Lord is trying to work on us to deal with that sin, they say, no, no, no. You know, there's strength in numbers. Maybe alone the person might have made the right choice, but, you know, there's a friend here who's going to help this guy out a little bit. We actually have to ask ourselves this question, and only you can answer this. Do I have any Jonadabs in my life? Do I have any friends like this? I will tell you that in my life, personally, God removed friends like this. Now, I didn't do something to this effect, but I'm just saying that, you know, God, and it was painful because they were my friends, but God wanted me to effectively pastor so he had to remove certain relationships out of my life. And we always have to be, we always have to be open to that. Very important. Think about your friends. And for some of us, it could go back to our childhood. 
but are they lifting us up in the Lord or are they dragging us down? Questions that only we can answer. So here's the problem. We know the, the difficulty. And then there's the plan. The royal virgins lived in a place by themselves with guardians, etc. And they were kept away from the men. So Amnon was hindered until Jonadab teaches him to, to feign sickness so that King David can say to his daughter, you know, Amnon's sick. Why don't you go help him out over there? This is one of those portions of scripture that are um, difficult to read. I'm going to read it. I don't see any kids uh, young enough that I have to give a warning, but the point is that uh, it's a hard portion of scripture, and that's what scripture is. It gives you everything that we need to live, and it it pretty much deals with every situation. So here goes, verse 6. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, Have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, No, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice, and being stronger than she, he forced her and lay with her. So, Tamar makes food. Amnon refuses to eat it. He sends all the servants away. He takes hold of her, and he rapes her. Tamar, the little bit that we know about her, she's of good character. She's a forward thinker. She kept rattling off consequences. I mean, she probably was doing the best she could, and um, Amnon was just an idiot. All he could see was a momentary, uh, you know, a moment of gratification, fleshly gratification for him. Uh, But what's really sad is Amnon, his name, means faithful. Did David name him? Did David and his mother name him? Either way, as the firstborn, they probably have big plans for faithful, except he ends up being unfaithful. And Amnon threw it away for a twisted fantasy and a momentary uh, lapse of reason and lust. I think I need to digress here because we need to go into our time machines and come out to 2013 and step out of our time capsule to New Jersey where we live. Parents, we need to teach our boys how to treat women. This is very important. It's becoming too common in our schools that we're reading about an event, a party, there's alcohol, there's guys, there's girls, there's no supervision. And now we have the internet. Camera phones taking pictures of the things. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, 
two young ladies that I read about recently, one in Canada, one in here in the United States, killed themselves because something went on. There was alcohol, there was sexuality, there were pictures taken, it was on the internet, and these girls just couldn't bear to face anybody anymore. This is serious business. We need to teach our kids about what alcohol is, what peer pressure is, what mob mentality is, and the consequences of sin. We also need to teach our daughters to stay out of compromising situations. Now, let me just say this. Let me this little caveat here. I'm reading this. I don't see anything that Tamar did wrong. She followed the instructions of her father. She was led like a lamb to the slaughter. I think she did the best she could. However, in 2013, actually David, as the father, as the protector, shouldn't have put her in that situation. But we need to teach our young girls that their guy friends don't always have the best intentions. I've seen it for many years as a police officer, running into a park or a situation where there's one girl and three guys. It's drinking, it's dark, there's a park, and they may think that these guys are their friends. It only takes a few minutes for something to go drastically wrong. Parents, we need to be paying attention. Yeah, I mean, what else can you say about that? Parents, don't let your kids control you. I know your teens are going to love me for what I have to say in the next few minutes. Don't let your, even if you need to become young adults, don't let, don't let them control you. Well, I've lost all control of my kids. Really? Are you driving them around? Are you paying for their sports equipment? Are you putting gas in their cars? You've lost control of your sons? I don't think so. Parents, we need to be parents and not the kids' friends, right? A few more things to note here. Number one, King David had a lack of discernment, sent his daughter into the lion's den when he should have been protecting her. Where was his head? David, like Jacob, was a crafty guy. Where was, what was he thinking? Um, was he ruining his sin? Was he still obsessing over what he had done? Was he feeling guilt and shame? Did he become a disconnected father? Was he distracted because he had so many wives? What did the Bible say, David? You know, let me not get too hard on David because I, I got my own issues and sin that I have to deal with. But what I'm saying here is that did he have so many wives that he became distracted? The Bible said, David, one woman, one queen. He had several of them. And Solomon, it gets even worse. And that's a, a direct cause, violating God's law. One man, one woman. Violating God's clause and... You know, we see what happens to Solomon in his later life. So David's lack of discernment causes not only this to happen to his daughter, but to his son Amnon, we'll find in this chapter, to die at the hands of his son Absalom. It's mayhem in the royal court. You know, it, is, it gets worse. We'll get to uh, Adonijah as well. I have to make the case for discernment here, though. And again, let's come back to 2013. Christians need to be discerning. Sometimes we make dumb decisions and we just throw it on God. Oh, God will deal with it. No. In this church, we've, nine years, we've never had an, even an accusation of impropriety here. And some get upset with me for my rules. Rules keep us safe. Um, sometimes we have groups that go to, to trend in, in a pretty rough area to serve people. Uh, they'll go to different areas, and I have rules about staying with the pack because, because I'm responsible, okay? 
Uh, and we have to have discernment. I mean, I've, I know of situations where Christian groups have gone out in not so good areas and this type of thing has happened to young ladies. Not on my watch. If I find a leader who's not following those rules, they won't be a leader. They'll be sitting out. We have to be better shepherds of our flock, of our children, and for over other people's children. Now David, here's the irony. David was a clever guy, should have known. It turns out his boys, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. As a matter of fact, some of his boys were better apples than he was. They outfoxed the fox. Think about that. So that's the first point. Second point, Tamar appears to be of good character of the little we know about her. She tries to think on her feet. She even tells Amnon, these are the consequences. You know, probably trying to fend them off and talk sense into him at the same time. Number one, this would be foolish. You don't want to be, you know, you're next in line to be king. You're going to be one of the fools in Israel. Don't do this. You know, second thing is it, it's criminal. But we know what happens. Third point, she actually tries to, you know, the Bible records conversations. It doesn't mean everything that's said in the Bible is a truthful statement. Keep that in mind. The Bible records people lying. The Bible records people being crafty to get out of trouble. So people love to take the scripture out of context and point to something. It's like, no, 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 let's read the whole chapter and let's, let's look at the context here. So she says, basically, um, let's ask dad if it could be legitimate. I'm sure he'll give me to you. Let's do this the right way. I really don't think that she really believed that. I think she just was trying to get him to stop um, and trying anything at this point. So this sets off a chain reaction, which we'll see causes Absalom to bide his time, to lie in wait, to hold on to his anger, at the opportune time where he can kill Amnon. I got to tell you, I don't feel sorry for Amnon. I really don't. You know, sometimes I get per personally involved with some of these characters. I don't really feel sorry for him. This is the consequence of what he did. We'll read on. Verse 15. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. And she said to him, No, indeed. This evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out, away from me, and bolt the door behind her. As a matter of fact, the translators made it nicer. They put the word woman in. In the Hebrew, he basically said, Put this thing, put this whatever, out. Okay? Now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters were such, wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. Wait a minute. Didn't, didn't he love her? See, this is what sexual perversions do. This is what sexual addictions do. They twist the mind, causing a psychological instability. Playing with sex outside of marriage is playing with fire. You live long enough, you know what I'm talking about. Here he wanted her so badly, and then when he had her, he couldn't wait to get rid of her. It wasn't love after all. I've heard it said that oftentimes men will pretend love to get sex from a woman, and women will give sex to get what they think is love, and it's not really, and this is tragic. This is tragic. And you may be in a position one day to counsel somebody in this type of situation. Ladies, don't be fooled, and guys, don't be fooled. There are young people today that have no guidance. There's no direction, no moral compass. 
and guys are doing this wicked stuff since the beginning of time, and now girls are doing stuff too. It is, it really is. When I was a kid, uh, Pat Benatar, it was a song called Love is a Battlefield. Now, love is a battlefield. Or is it love? Right? So, I'm not picking sides. I'm not playing favorites. Today, both genders are equally as vicious. I just read about a, a guy who was 16, was accused of rape. It's just recently in the, in the news. Falsely accused, went to jail for a few years. Somehow they got the person to relax and have an interview. Didn't know she was being recorded. And she gave all the reasons why she did. And he said, oh, no, he never touched me or, you know, it wasn't. Uh, and they had to release him from prison. Guy spent a few years, promising career. I've seen it happen. So it goes both ways. What does this tell us? It's very simple. The Lord's ways are always best for us. Period. Period. Somebody explained uh, to me, it was a good uh, illustration. They, uh, I had the wood-burning stove and the person said to me, you know, fire is good inside of a wood-burning stove. It heats the house. He goes, that's the way sex is inside of marriage. He said, you take fire and you take it out of that stove and put it in the house, you'll burn the house down. Right? We're so desensitized today that we actually think abortion is great. They're unwanted babies. Well, how did we get to that point? We're not addressing that. We're, we, got, we can't tell anybody about Jesus. We can't tell anybody about their self-worth in the public schools. But more and more, they're letting the age drop. You know, the morning after pill, big controversy, allowing a girl at any age, 11, 12, 13. These are some heavy-duty um, hormones that the government is saying, you don't need your parents' consent. This is sad, and this is the society we live in. Verse 19. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Remember, it isn't like today. She probably, her prospects of finding a, a suitor you know, a future husband were really diminished because of this situation. She wouldn't be in the, in the royal court of the virgins anymore. Um, possibly the technicolor robe was something that dad uh, had mass-produced or made for all his virgin daughters. And that was a sign of their virginity, and they wore it with pride. Uh, so Absalom finds out what happens. He takes her into, her, into his home. And that was an act of mercy, because where would she go from this point on? 21, but when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. But let me add, he did nothing about it. In verse 22, and Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good or bad, for Absalom uh, hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. David was angry, did nothing about it. Absalom was angry, he did something about it. He bided his time. Again, David might have felt well, look at what I did. And he didn't do anything. He didn't stop it, and he didn't fix the problem after it happened. And this is what sin does. It destroys. It destroyed. And discipline is godly, and it's filled with love. But David, maybe he did discipline a little bit, but 
according to this, it doesn't look like it because his whole family starts to implode from this point. Again, this is the consequence of forgiven sins. Possibly, you know, David is, he's forgiven, there's grace. Uh, the, the other son uh, lives, Solomon, with him and Bathsheba. The first one dies. The second one lives. There's grace, there's restoration. But possibly the kids looked at what happened because you, you don't think that gossip spread through the royal court. I'm sure everybody knew. Did you hear? Did you hear? Village to village. It's probably the town gossip going to every village telling everybody what happened. Um, times haven't changed that much. But it's possible that the kids see what's going on. They see what happened. They miss the spiritual part of it. But all they see is, well, dad got away with it. He's still the king. No consequences. And it could have emboldened his sons to feel invincible. Rape, murder. Verse 23. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go, and he blessed him. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servant, saying, Watch now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid, have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom has commanded. Then all the king's son arose, and each one got onto his mule and fled. Better get out of here, this isn't a good scene. So Amnon finally gets, uh, I guess, his due for what he did, according to Absalom. And I guess he figures, maybe Absalom figured he killed two birds with one stone. Without Amnon out of the picture, he would be next, sort of. Uh, we hear of, it's, it's actually Amnon, Chiliab, and then Absalom, and then Adonijah. Actually, the, the child that was born from sin would have been first, but that child passed away early on. We don't know about Chiliab. According to the genealogy, he's there. It could be that he might have passed away at an, a young age from sickness, or he might have been something that disabled him to the point where he couldn't be king. We don't know. Okay? We don't really hear about him after this. So, if that was Absalom's idea, God had a different plan. Again, he was going to go all the way down to the 10th son, Solomon, and put him in charge after uh, David's death. Again, all the boys are as crafty as dad. We find that Absalom and Adonijah later try to overthrow dad. Can you imagine that? Think about your kids. Imagine them rising up to destroy you. And you love your kids so much and think they love you. And, you know, it's pretty bad what, what happens here. Um, in a funny way, I guess you could look at grandparents' revenge. You know how grandparents want you to have the type of kid that, or your parents want you to have the type of kid that you were to them? But this is an extreme. Verse 30. And it came to pass while they were on the way that news came to David saying, Absalom has killed all the king's sons and not one of them is left. I have to make that point again. 
It's a false statement. But the Bible records somebody saying that. It turned out that that wasn't true. So the kings arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. Then Jonadab, the son of Shimea, this guy again, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Man, look at the chutzpah of this guy. He's the one who, who was the impetus to all this anyway. I see how I get emotionally involved when I read the scripture. I don't like Jonadab. <laughs> now therefore, let not my lord the king take the thing to his heart to think that all the king's sons are dead, for only Amnon is dead. Then Absalom fled, and the young man who was keeping watch lifted his eyes and looked, and there many people were coming from the road on the hillside beside or behind him. And Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons are coming, as your servant said, so it is. So it was, as soon as he had finished speaking, that the king's sons indeed came, and they lifted up their voice and wept. Also the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. So Jonadab, again, this guy's a real worm. Of course he knew what happened. Of course he didn't confess to David that he was the reason why the chain reaction was set in motion. But the Jonadabs of the world love to worm their way into every administration. They love to be the ones in the know, the popular ones. So they, they're the ones that uh, always have the 411. They always have the information and almost come off as a, a good resource. They slink around aggrandizing themselves with information and feign counsel based on any evil way of requiring it. So... My personal feelings about Joan Adap, you know, Pastor Joe tells how you really feel. Um, he's really a bad dude. Now, we, I didn't read far enough. Um, I, I read the whole Bible, but I don't remember if the Bible says what happens to Joan Adap or not. But God knows. He knows. And he dealt with it. Verse 37. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amihud, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom, for he had been comforted concerning Amnon because he was dead. So Amnon flee, or excuse me, Absalom flees to his grandfather Talmais until things cool down for a while. If you're interested where Geshur is, it's basically east uh, of the Sea of Galilee, which was known as the Sea of Chenereth back then. Um, but David has mixed emotions. He's mourning the loss of Amnon. I'm sure he loved Amnon too. Uh, but he, and, and Absalom did this horrible thing. You know, brother kills another brother. He loves Absalom as well, but he's probably wrestling with the emotions of, well, Absalom's got to be punished. Now, as we look at this progression, David, because of his sin, I believe, there's a causal relationship, he loses discernment. Or it, it clouds his judgment. Because of David's lack of discernment, he's actually part of the plot, unwittingly. Uh, having Tamar, his daughter, go to Amnon's place. We know what happens there. David doesn't punish Amnon. Probably feels he can't because he might be a hypocrite. Again, it's just my opinion. Because of that, Absalom, there's no justice. And this is Absalom's full sister. So he's furious. He's fuming for years about this. Because David didn't punish Amnon, Absalom kills Amnon. Jonadab knows, but he's not vetted. 
Nobody asks him any questions. Well, how do you know all this detail? Now, Absalom needs to be punished, but heck, why start now? Right? I would just say this. We've been in situations that maybe we feel hypocritical. Maybe we, the situations with our children, and, and maybe they're of the age, they're teenagers, and they're not dumb. They figure things out. But that's no reason not to continue being a parent. We need to be parents. Listen, any, anyone close to you, I don't care who it is, your spouse, your children, can pick out hypocrisy in you. Unfortunately, that's the human condition. Even as Christians, we play the hypocrite at times, and those closest to us will pick it out. But it doesn't mean we absolve our parental responsibilities. As we can see, an extreme example in this situation, David was forgiven. He was clean before God, paid for in, in future by the blood of Jesus, never to be held anything against him again. But he still doesn't discipline. I will tell you that when I, when I read this, and you know, it's really neat how some good producers can make a good Bible movie based on the scripture. And you're like, oh, that was really done well. And I get into the movie, just like I get into the book. And there sometimes I see these twisted situations and I feel like I'm in the middle of it. And really, I could feel my heart rate. I'm getting anxiety over this. I have to tell you that what I learn is the best thing to do is do it God's way. You know, when I was in my predicaments, when I was younger and I wasn't saved, I didn't have anybody. I had friends, but what, was, what good was my peers' counsels? They weren't Christians either. And I got into some predicaments, I have to tell you. I have a lot less anxiety in my life, although I have much more responsibility now, much more, especially as a pastor. But I have less anxiety because it's, it's the Lord. You know, he's there. He's the Holy, the Holy Spirit. He's part of what I'm doing here. Pray about my decisions. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death or destruction. And let me make this point perfectly clear. We talked about a lot tonight. We talked about our kids. We talked about our, our example. When we repent, no matter what the sin is, we are completely clean. We are completely forgiven. Some in Christendom actually teach you've got to do these rituals and such because you can't be completely clean. Jesus did a great thing, but it wasn't 100%. Be careful of that. Live in forgiveness. Don't live in shame and don't let it affect other judgments because you did something wrong somewhere along the line, or I did something wrong. So all I can say is, at the end, is that after we read this, we learn something from it, and we also commit from this point on to doing it his way. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank